Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. <coughs> Pardon me. Sorry, I got the sneezes. I was wondering why you got silent there for a second, like, oh, before. I, I, I got, like, that burp sneeze. <laughs> Hang on. I got I to gotta blow my nose. I'll be right back. Okay. Hang on. Okay. You back? Cool. Yeah. That was that was a long time to blow your nose. Well, I get this thing, uh, and ha- I don't know if I've discussed it with you before, where if I have too much food in my stomach <laughs> and I have some beer, I get the weirdest sneezing fit. That is weird. Like, and it's funny because a buddy of mine at work has the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So, like... So I got home from golf today, and I had a. I quickly had a snack. I had some leftover pasta I had made. I had that, and then part of Lacey's like social get together, they were each given thirty dollars with skip the dishes to order something. So she ordered an appetizer platter, and I'm like, ah, fuck! I'm not just gonna leave deep fried stuff sitting out there. I gotta have some. <laughs> so I'm like, comfortably full. I'm like, okay, I'm feeling okay, comfortably full. And then I start drinking my beer. I'm like, ooh, I'm getting pretty full. And then it's just like it hits a point. I don't know if it's a gas bubble that hits a nerve or something. But it's just like the fucking sneeze. Like I can't stop sneezing until I burp. Hmm. So it's like rapid fire sneeze, 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 sneeze. And then I burp and I'm like, okay. So it was one part like I just blew my nose like seven times and finally worked a burp out. I'm like, okay, good now. The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the Internet's most vaccinated podcast. I am Joel Gasson with <laughs> John Fraser as always. And yeah, uh, we we're we here. have a one hundred percent vaccination rate on this podcast. We do. And looking at my notes here, um, I just you have, have the notes. Ch- They're just paper on the desk. I just wanted the sound effect. For <laughs> 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 being completely honest, <laughs> I wanted the sound of like I was picking up notes, like we actually take show notes or something, like we're a real podcast or something. No, no, we definitely don't do that. No, this is some leftover paper that Jenny left from here when she was working from home. So, well, oh. <laughs> so technically they're notes. They yes. just don't have anything to do with our program. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I don't even know what this is. Um, it's far too smart for me. <laughs> so as I was going to say, we're here to check notes, actually talk about football today. This is if weird. You can believe it. This, this is... Uh, it, it's funny because most of our pre-show discussions over the past four or five hundred days have been, hey, what'd you drink? What'd you do? This time it was funny. And actually, I will <laughs> I will go behind the curtain mm-hmm. and admit, like I like to admit, because I am an open book here on how terrible I am sometimes, that later on in the episode, we're going to talk about Jason Moss and Cody Vajardo. 
Mm-hmm. And I went for a minute, I went, oh, yeah, the Iron Jason Moss. <laughs> I had completely forgotten. Yeah, so don't take us for any sources of accuracy. Sometimes I think since then we're uh, a little more prepared to actually discuss football as uh, training camp is actually going to open this week. Saturday at Mosaic Stadium. Unfortunately, the public, uh, understandably, will not be allowed. Uh, strict protocols around the media being there as well. So you will get to find out uh, sort of the, you know, who's in, who's out, what's going on with the team throughout camp. Uh, just at least for the first little while, you won't be able to go see it in person, unfortunately, if that's something that you're into. But regardless, yes, we have football to talk about, as weird as it is, uh, for the first time in a very long time. Yeah. Uh, we're, so, yeah, we're going to talk about Cody Pajardo, Jason Maz, uh, Brent Labatt, his decision, and, you know, kind of where that leaves the team, and uh, just sort of general thoughts overall, I guess, kind of on where things could be headed this year. But there was another little bit of information, I guess, that was kind of important, released recently. Oh, yeah. And that was um, a oh. statement just, you know, sort of quietly dropped by the CFL on Wednesday morning that uh, discussions between them and the XFL have stopped. And if you remember on this podcast uh, a number of episodes ago, uh, John and I decided that we were not going to discuss basically anything to do with the CFL and the XFL until they tell us something of substance that's going on. And here we are. Yeah, there we go. Here we are. So now we can finally actually maybe more, you know, share our thoughts since the original episode uh, came out when they announced that they were going to talk about talking. Right. And we didn't really talk about it a whole lot since then because we just kind of want to let it play out. And here we are now with a whole lot of nothing. Yep. Basically. (laughs) And, you know, I think we'll get into this in a little second, but I think for the most part, especially for what we're seeing, at least from the hardcore fans online, um, just a great sense of relief today, I think, for uh, Canadian football fans across this country. We don't have to worry about what are we going to do if this is a four-down game all of a sudden. And let's not discredit the Edmonton Elk Mm-hmm. Coming out and saying, uh, yeah, so we love the fact we're not talking to them anymore. I, I love that. And the number one thing I love about all of it is getting all the toxic bullshit about mergers and stuff off my Twitter feed. Yes. You know, you don't have a bunch of hack podcasters acting like they know anything as they sit in their mom's basements. And that's a bad term because I record from my basement. And you are married to week. someone who is a mother. So. Exactly. So again, it's <laughs> it's a bad term, but you get what I'm getting at. <laughs> I'm at least upstairs on the second floor. Yeah, yeah, I certainly am not. Uh, it is very soundproof down here, so that's why uh, this has become the recording studio. But mm. I I digress. To have a bunch of hack attempted newsworthy broadcasters that somehow got national recognition here in Canada, despite the fact that they were quoting comments off of a reddit source that were unverified about how they were going to merge was just i'm just i'm glad that's all done and over with you know mm-hmm. i think again there could be in the future maybe maybe they talk about cross promotion cross branding Certainly. anything like that but obviously the merger talks are completely dead and i don't really think they were ever there now what i do think is that the CFL in the pandemic needed to find they it it was they were slapped in the face that they needed to find new revenue streams mm-hmm. and maybe you know getting in bed with the XFL seemed like an attractive one maybe they were going to be the CFL sugar daddy <laughs> but instead we now have single game sports gambling in Canada 
which fills the role of CFL Sugar Daddy. Potentially, so I, yeah. I, I feel like when they said they were talking about talking, it may have been discussed. Things may have been like, hey, if we're going to go bankrupt, will you give us money? If this doesn't go through, if, you know, I almost think that they were preparing for a worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. And. The fact is you're going to have fans in buildings this year. You're going to have a new revenue stream in single game betting. You're going to have all of these things for yeah. the CFL moving forward. That's, yeah, there's no real reason to merge anymore. And, and I, even... I think you and I discussed this, and a lot of people have, you know, the whole time was... Right. You know, as you said, I think there were there was and maybe will still be some opportunities for, you know, some strategic sharing of resources. Yeah. Going down the road in terms of players and practice time and whatever the case may be. But I don't think from either side a full blown merger and a one single schedule ever made sense. No. And we, we've gone over the reasons why, you know, Americans don't care about Canadian teams of any kind, so that's not going to help them with TV money. You know, they don't, the XFL wants to play in the spring, the CFL doesn't, you know, the XFL doesn't want to play in the fall, the CFL does. So, I mean, there's a whole just variety of things with that that never really made sense for either side. You right. Know, could some kind of overarching, you know, ownership that had two leagues under it, you know, sort of operating separately, but owned by the same thing. Sure. Maybe that might've worked, but ultimately like a full on merger that led to one singular league was never going to work and was never, you know, as much as some people tried to push it. And there were some people, you know, with a lot of connections to these, you know, to this story trying to push it as well. And it just it never added up in my mind, yeah. basically. And I think it came to its logical conclusion. And that's that's where we are now. Yeah, certainly. I I mean, and kudos to the CFL for exploring that. Because, hmm. yep. let's face it, if science didn't kick so much ass, and even if Canada was vaccinating as uh, at the rates of Japan or even Australia or some other first world countries here, you know, maybe there wouldn't have been fans of the stands this year. And mm-hmm. maybe they would have had to go find a desperate new revenue source, right? But as Bill Nye says, science rules. We're going to be in the stands. And again, as a degenerate gambler, there's single game betting, which makes me happy. Yeah, and now, now the flip side to this is through this whole time, we've heard the passionate pleas and we've seen the passionate pleas from a lot of people about, you know, don't take the Canadian game away from us. Right. And they're all right. They're all 100% correct. I was, you know, was kind of always in that side of things, even though I was a little more open to it maybe than some people were, just because at the end of the day, as long as there was football in this country, I was going to support it. Absolutely. Um, what needs to happen now is if you are someone, and if you are someone who in the last number of months has complained about this and has said that the this cannot happen, and you currently do not spend any money on the CFL, that needs to change. Yep. And I'm not saying you need to go out and buy, you know, full season tickets to the, you know, the most expensive seats in the house to your local team at this point. No. Even if it means simply subscribing to TSN if you don't currently to make sure you watch the games, to me that's enough. Do something to prove buy a hat. Yeah, do something to prove that the CFL picked the right route and back them up now in any way you can. It doesn't have to be lavish, it doesn't have to be expensive, but figure out a way to vote with your wallet and say, "Hey, I want the CFL to stay around for another 110 years. Well, and, and that's, we both had a chance to listen to a guy we respect the hell out of, Tim McAuliffe, break that down. Mm-hmm. 
If you haven't seen it, it's on Twitter. Tim and friends, check it out. Uh, he basically says everything that we've kind of been saying, but way more eloquently. But yes. the point that Tim, there's two big points that Tim made that that I've been standing behind this whole time. Yeah, is the NFL a bigger, more successful league? Yeah, it is. Is the CFL the second best league in the world? Absolutely. As Tim said, there's lots of crappy leagues in lots of countries that play to sold-out stadiums because that is their league. It's their domestic league. And the other thing, yeah, support your teams. And I, I think that goes a little bit deeper as well. Support your local U Sports team. Again, go. I'm not saying show up at every game and buy 100 beer. Go buy a T-shirt. You know, support your local CJFL team. Go buy a hat. Every little bit helps so we can keep the Canadian game strong. And you and I are big believers in this. Mm-hmm. If you like football, watch football. You don't have to say one is better than the other. You don't have to exclusively watch one or the other. There are things I dislike about the CFL. There are things I dislike about the NFL. There are things I dislike about you sports and college football. Not college but football. I love college it. football's perfect. It's t- <laughs> In all its dumb glory, it's perfect. And that's, it is for <laughs> a couple guys that embrace the dumb. I'm with you. But that's it. It just, just watch football. Don't be that guy that goes, oh, the NFL's so much better. Good. It's fantastic. Awesome. Good for you. Watch it. Watch just watch football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Tim said the same thing. And that's just so what it comes down to. I don't get I don't get the superiority complex that's related in football. Like I just I, I don't understand it. Like mm-hmm. why like it'd be like if that was the case, the MLS would never survive. Because that's a crap league comparatively to other professional leagues in the world. And just Support. Watch football. Go to games. Buy a hat. It's even hats. <laughs> I'm watching this. I'm watching the. Uh, the, the there's other merchandise benign hat, you know. Exactly. Everybody. <laughs> uh, that's actually what I'm thinking. Those are actually some really nice championship hats. And right now they're showing like all the guys doing their little spin and hooting and hollering with the cup. And everybody is wearing a hat. So that's. That's where the hat comes from. You got like a super shiny Stanley Cup logo on the back. Huh. So there's the hat obsession. It's because my brain can't watch something and not talk about it. That's how deep my mind goes. Anyway, to put a hat on this conversation, um, I almost fit. Yeah, so just, you know, a great day for the CFL. Support your local football teams. Uh, no matter what level they are, uh, we'd love to see you at a Rams games and Huskies games and all that sort of stuff, too. But yes. We have lots to get to in this episode, of course, as training camp is right around the corner. That still sounds so weird to say. But as we do every week, John, I guess to uh, pour one out for our homies who are sad over the XFL news today. (laughs) What is in your glass this week? Well, I definitely won't be pouring out this classic, for it is beer by Rebellion Brewing. I felt like I wanted something, I wanted to drink a beer that tastes like beer. It was on sale, so I bought a whole bunch of beer it's a beer that tastes like beer which is funny because even my kids know the slogan of it <laughs> they now what i Your said kids seem to learn a lot about the beers you buy because remember like uh, 
the robot one with the used to have blast off and there was you know, yep. the other one the dragon yep. one or the godzilla, godzilla one godzilla, godzilla one yeah, yeah that's yeah. the that's the zilla ipa uh they know to get me a buffalo beer that's uh from our sponsors pile of bones and uh when i ask for a beer that tastes like beer they know exactly what to get me out of my fridge so you train them well i am yeah i'm either a great parent or a terrible parent there's no in between it's a very fine line, I believe. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 go with terrible and leave it at that. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's beer. It's a good one to buy if you <clears throat> want to support local and you have friends that aren't into craft beers. Yes, and uh, we did that thing again where we drank the same beer. So, okay, well, um, <laughs> it's fine. Because yeah, that's, that's my, my I thought. Also drank my thought. Yeah, I mean, I don't have that in my fridge right now. Uh, my other option was the Blackbridge Double IPA. Which is probably the best double IPA in the province year after year. It's that smooth. It's that delicious. Um, but I also have the Nokomis, uh Zigzag Wanderer, I believe, in the fridge. Uh... The Brett Saison that uh, I was going to drink later this evening, kind of as a celebratory, it's been two weeks since I got my second shot kind of thing. Woohoo! And so I didn't really want something big and strong before that to kind of blow up my taste buds. I wanted something nice, clean, and easy drinking to make sure that I actually, like, fully enjoyed that beer later. Right, right, right. So the palate cleanser is the beer that tastes like beer. Mm -hmm, absolutely. If you will. That's... I will. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, there will be no pouring one out for the homies. It's just getting poured into my belly. Absolutely. So yeah, training camp starts... On Saturday, I, can't that. I know if you can believe it or not, training camp finally starts on Saturday after uh, the longest off season in the history of the CFL. It seems, yes, so long they had to do free agency twice. Yeah, <laughs> basically, <laughs> yeah, two drafts. You're not going to remember half the players that play for the team. No, uh, I sure don't. I feel like even though I have a training camp roster in my email, I've only still glazed at it. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, so, and what's going to be really interesting about this training camp is there's going to be no preseason. So sort of a lot of what we're talking about and what's going to happen during camp and whether it pans out or not or where it leads to, we're not really going to know the answer to those questions until two, three, four, five weeks into this 14-game season. Right. I mean, we, in the CFL, it always takes a couple of weeks after the preseason anyway for things to really shake out, but I think in this case... That's especially going to be true. And so for me, you know, to me, there's four kind of things that really stand out to me with the riders this year. Right. And sort of where, you know, these four things will determine sort of whether this team is successful or not in 2021. On right. sort of like a, you know, on the most basic of levels. Obviously, there's all kinds of things that will decide it. Most of which may just be chaos because it's 14 games after not playing for years. So who the hell really knows what's going to happen? <laughs> right, it is It is going to be the season of chaos. And I'm here for it. Yeah. Professor oh, Chaos absolutely. is here for it. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, I, I think games are going to be sloppy, they're going to be fun, there's going to be no preseason, there's going to be some big names cut, as I'm sure eventually the Toronto well, Argonauts have Yeah, like have half of them are going to come out of Toronto. The rosters are always changing, but I think this year especially, since we have you know no idea what kind of shape these players are going to be in, you know how their bodies are going to respond after such a long layoff is going to be you know something to watch as well. You right. know, just in every sort of form, and that's no disrespect to anyone, that's just the way it's going to be. So there's going to be a lot of interesting things to watch, but I think for the writers, it kind of shapes down, and we're going to get into them now, sort of four sort of major things that I think 
or sort of at least the storylines to start the year, and then we'll see from there where they go. I think, right. first of all, when we're talking about this team and, you know, how far they will go, as in every Canadian, as in every football team ever, except maybe some college teams, the question basically comes down to what's going to happen in quarterback. And we know that Cody Fajardo was the starter in 2021. He's earned that right. He's earned that role. And I, I don't have what I'm, I want to preface what I'm about to say, but I don't have any doubt that he's going to be good again. But the right. question is, will he be good again? Because we have seen guys in the past in football have a really great year and then teams figure them out and they are unable to adjust and follow that up. And yeah, no, this is not a shot at Cody Fajardo. I believe he's going to have another good year. I, I don't think he's going to lead the league in passing again. I think you know some circumstances has kind of led to that happening. If you look at the numbers he actually put up in 2019, they were good. But generally speaking, they're not the kind of numbers that are going to lead the league in passing every year right. when most of the quarterbacks play most of the games. And that right. just didn't happen that year. Bo Levi Mitchell, Michael Riley, all these guys missed a fair bit of time. Trevor Harris even. So their numbers were weighed down. Cody's were respectable, but they were hardly, you know, lead the league kind of past numbers. Now, maybe he takes his game to another level under Jason Moss. We'll get into that in a second, and maybe he does do that. But I don't think the team needs him to do that. They just need him to be what he was again. And just the question that needs to be answered, and it'll be answered fairly quickly, I believe, and I believe the answer will be yes, is... Can he do it again? But you're right, Joel. I'm I'm 100% with you. I do think he will do it again. He seems to have the right mindset. Mm-hmm. He's been doing the right things through COVID. He's gotten together with receivers. He's here. He's got the good fundamentals of being a starting quarterback. But again, this is a guy that's been a backup for a lot of teams for a lot of years in the CFL and just got his first chance to start. And yes, he ran with it. Yes, I don't think he's a flash in the pan, but... Again, we haven't seen a lot of him. So I'm with you. I agree. I think he's going to be good. But I think it's going to be harder this year Mm -hmm. because the riders aren't quite as deep as offensive line at offensive line. And as the O-line goes, the quarterback generally goes. I think Cody can move around enough. He makes quick decisions. He doesn't have a super long throwing motion or anything like that that would get him in trouble. But you never know. Guy's only been a starter for a hot minute. Yeah, and, and I mean, you would talk about it's going to be harder. It was going to be harder in general before you, when we'll talk about the offensive line in a bit, um, before we even get into that, because, I mean, now especially, you know, defensive coordinators, if they've taken the time, and they don't even have to, they haven't even had to do it the whole time. They've had more than enough time. You know, Western defensive coordinators have had, you know, a whole entire calendar year plus another off season to plan for this guy, to watch his film, right. to see what he does. And at the same time, if Fajardo's had that same time to kind of self-scout and be aware of what he does as well and maybe try and mix it up a bit. So, and they also, the, you know, the added advantage is he's coming in. They only have film of what he did with Stephen McAdoo. They don't right. have film on Cody Fajardo of what he's done with Jason Moss because he hasn't played under Jason Moss, really. Right. So where is this going? What is this offense going to look like? We don't really know at this point. But we do know it's going to be very different, and that will work to Fajardo's advantage if he can pick it up, which I believe he will, because I think, you know, history has shown Jason Moss has been able to work, I think, with basically every quarterback he's had to some degree. Yeah. Granted, he's had some very good ones over his time, but that only leads credence to believe that he will be able to find something that works for Cody Fajardo, and they will work this out together. 
So that's sort of the other question is, okay, Stephen McAdoo for, you know, all intents and purposes, finally gone. As right. I think that, you know, that ship had sailed by the end of the 2019 season. The writing was very clearly on the wall. I don't think it was any surprise that McAdoo was not re- brought back for the 2020 season. And eventually, of course, this season now, they'll finally, we'll finally get to see the new offense. Um, I do still believe that, you know, looking back on it, the addition of Jason Moss was a little surprising as sort of the alternative, as the guy they were able to bring in, which I still mm-hmm. think, you know, is a huge get for, you know, uh, one, a, you know, a guy who's coming off his first year as a head coach and Craig Dickinson to be able to land a guy like Jason Moss that quickly is pretty impressive. And it also speaks a lot to, you know, to Dickinson's sort of character and his thought process of, okay, yeah, maybe potentially this guy is a threat to my job, but he's also the best mind available and he's the best offensive coordinator available on the market. And I know, and he's very much a guy that, you know, lets his guys do their roles and he wants the best people around him in order to have a successful coaching staff and a successful team. And so that's what he did bring in Jason Moss. Yeah, and I think getting Jason Moss before the canceled season was a huge get because just as you mentioned, Gas, the fact that you're that that Cody Fajardo and Jason Moss have been able to work together and communicate, yes, they probably haven't been in the same room together up until no. Maybe I think I saw Cody tweeting out he was out of quarantine today. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've been in the same room together now, but up until then, at least, you know, lots of time to text, lots of time to, you know, watch film together. It's not like, you know, the 70s where a guy would, you know, have to fax him out a playbook and, you know, get on the old corded phone. But I mean, these guys can share video, they can FaceTime. I'm sure they've been working well together. And I, mm-hmm. I think that's a huge get, especially before the year was shut down with Cody Fajardo. Now, there's still William Powell back there, too. I mean, they still have a, a running threat that other teams are going to have to worry about. And I think Jason Moss is going to do some very good things. You look, he in most of his stops, you know, his quarterbacks have had somebody that, you know, could run the ball as well. So the riders are set up. They have the pieces that Jason Moss likes. And he's now, again, he's had a full year and a half of preparation to work things in, which he's going to need because, again, no preseason. It's let's go and let's go quickly. So... I think with the pieces that are in place on this roster, he's going to do great things. Mm -hmm. I think the Riders are going to have an unbelievable offense led by Cody Fajardo and and Jason Moss. And the only thing that that I think is that the tenure of Jason Moss in Saskatchewan might be short. Yeah. And because I think he's going to do enough a la Paul Lapalise that even through – some of his issues that he had in Edmonton, I, I think that teams will look the other way, and he's got a time to rehab himself and his image, which, again, helped a wiped-away season kind of helps with that. And I don't think he'll be here long, so it's good that they've had him through the canceled season to work with these guys. Yeah, so, uh, you know, ultimately where the offense goes, and understandably, you know, most of the questions are surrounding this team coming into the year were around the offense because that was sort of the problem with the team, for lack of a better word, in 2019. It wasn't really as bad as it was previous years, but there was definitely still, you know, question marks around it and certainly some grievances, and I think a lot of sort of it came to head in the West Final game against the Bombers at Mosaic Stadium. And, and it was just, it was clearly time for a change on offense, and, and that's what they did. But how it all kind of comes together 
is going to be sort of one of the big questions because we're fairly certain the defense is going to be good. There's some questions there, and there's some, th- some things that have changed. Yeah. But overall, it, you know, there is potential on paper, I believe, with this offensive, with Cody Fajardo, if he reaches this, at least the same level he did in 2019, maybe if not even a little better under a new coordinator, and given Jason Moss's history, and you look at guys like Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore on the roster, if the offensive line holds, and we're just about to get into this, if the offensive line holds, this has the potential to at least be one of the most exciting writer offenses in a while, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. And the pieces are there. I think it's going to be very good. Again, the question mark to me, the biggest question mark, and you alluded to it, is going to be that offensive line. I think everybody's going to gel. I think Cody's going to take another step forward. I think William Powell's had a full year to rest the body. He's going to be fresh. He's going to be good. But there you said it, Joel. Mm -hmm. The offensive line that a few weeks ago, I mean, we were, we were talking about it being a great advantage on this team. It really was going to help with their Canadian depth. Were they going to pot- potentially go four Canadians across the offensive line? And then we get the news recently that uh, the longest-serving Saskatchewan Rough Rider, Brennan Labatt, has decided that he's not going to play this season. He took a long look at the COVID protocols, despite being fully vaxxed, and looking at it and said, nah, I'm good. And really, honestly, I don't blame him. Neither I look, do I. I look at the, you look at the rules, and you know basically every other league in North America right now, except maybe the NHL, maybe that's just the Canadian teams. I don't know. Have very different rules for fully vaccinated players versus players who are not. And for Labatt specifically, and we don't need to get into whether this is the right decision or not in the province or not. But the fact remains, a few days in the, you know, the next day after training camp starts, there's effectively no rules in Saskatchewan when it comes to right. COVID-19. Right. But for playing in the CFL at, you know, for, well, at a reduced salary this year, mm-hmm. Bernard Labatt still has to live in a very, in a far more restricted world than anyone in Saskatchewan has been dealing with for the last year, essentially. Yeah. And yeah, it... he decided, you know what, we're starting late. I'm not getting paid as much. I'm going to take this summer to be with my family. And frankly, I don't blame him. I remember when the news first broke, I think one of my first texts to you was, tell me he's not an anti-vaxxer. That was my first thought. Like, oh God, he doesn't, he doesn't want to follow something or follow a protocol. And then when Labatt came out and said, yeah, these restrictions are kind of crazy for me who's got both doses no thank you i'd rather be with my family now ctv's claire hannah reported on some of the restrictions that and i think even labat said as much that he gets when you're on the road yeah. you got to stay at the team hotel absolutely yeah makes sense i think okay. that's fair that's for like a night or two that's not a not a big deal exactly and i think every player would say the same thing but mm-hmm. according to claire hannah the rules dictate that you can't see anybody outside of your household at all mm-hmm. for the CFL season. So I know Labatt, being a Saskatchewan guy, still makes his home, you know, in Weyburn. Right, he commutes to practice every day. <laughs> exactly. So for a guy like Labatt that has made a priority of signing in Saskatchewan to be around his family, he'd be limited to just his family in his house, not his uncles, his aunts, his cousins, his grandparents. You know how small towns are just about anywhere. Friends, right? kids can't go to dinner with friends, nothing. Exactly. 
So he looked at that, and honestly, I would probably make the same decision. Yeah, like if making CFL money, absolutely I'd make that decision. If that yeah. was the NFL protocol and I was making $25 million, okay, I'll suck it up and make $25 million. Yeah, or even, even the <laughs> NHL players that were in the bubble last year and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Like that's – for that kind of money, it's – it. It, you can you can sacrifice, but for even Labatt that's making two hundred grand, it's down to one thirty some again, great money. I agree. I don't I don't think it'd be worth it, especially for a guy like that that still lives in his hometown. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, I still have my questions about whether he will return in twenty twenty two or not. Because during that season, he'll turn 36, and that'll be two full seasons without football, and that could go two ways for him. He'll either be rested and ready to go for another run at a Grey Cup in Saskatchewan, or maybe his body will just tell him no. So, I mean, that's kind of where it's going to go. We'll have to wait and see sort of what happens. You know, I hope for his sake, if he wants to play, he gets to continue to play on the other side of this. But in the meantime, we wish him well, and he made what he thought was the best decision for himself and his family you know tip of the hat to that i'm you know always on a player's side when no matter what they decide especially in a sport where your contracts aren't guaranteed so good on brennan for doing that yeah the other side of this is well where does this leave the team and you know in the off season you know we were talking about you know they signed evan johnson and brett boyko and there's been some additions that were supposed to be you know evan johnson obviously a starter boyko with josiah st john you know offensive you know draft picks like Matt and Riley were supposed to be, you know, the depth behind the starting Canadians. All of a sudden now someone has to step up. Evan Johnson's right. obviously going to start. You're probably right. locked in now with two American tackles for sure. Yep. Barring something, you know, barring someone really standing out, which I, I don't know, I can't say is going to happen. But right now, someone, whoever, it doesn't matter who, you know, with just so Josiah St. John finally make a step forward and become a legitimate starter in this league. Does Matt Riley prove to be worthy of a first-round pick? Does Brett Boyko find his groove in the CFL? I don't know. All these things are possible. But one of them has to happen, or one side of the rider line at least is going to struggle. And, and, that, I'm good, and that is a problem. But I'm going to throw one name at you here mm-hmm. that I think is going to be the missing piece outside of those. Mm-hmm. Logan Furland. Not a lot of people have given him a ton of credit because he's played in the CJFL. But he has been such a dominant force in the CJFL on the Riders' practice roster as a territorial pick. And from all accounts, speaking to people within the Thunder organization, he's been working out. This kid's been ready. He's bigger, stronger. He's fast. He completely dominated at the CJFL level. I think that could be a kid that makes the next step. It's possible. And gets into that mix and gives them that depth. The pieces, you said it best, Joel, the pieces are still there that somebody has to make a step. Two guys have to make a step, basically. Mm -hmm. And if that goes well, they're going to be fine. If it doesn't, that Labatt loss is going to be a big one that they're going to feel. And it makes the signing of Evan Johnson even more important. And there's another guy that I had forgotten had signed with the Riders. It's been that damn long! (laughs) Yeah, that wasn't only that long ago that happened, but anyway... Long enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, obviously the offensive line, as boring as it is to talk about sometimes, is the key to any good offense. And the Riders, you know, they took a big loss there. 
There's also been some other interesting losses on the roster as we sort of go through almost a bit of a recap. It's sort of the four main points that is going to, you know, sort of define where this team goes. And that's, of course, the other losses were on defense where they were they were good in 2019. And we and I fully believe that Jason Shivers is just only going to get better and is going to get even more comfortable with the defensive coordinator and take a huge step forward every year going forward. And he's another guy that could be on head coaching radars within a few years here. Which is something, again, to go back to Craig Dickinson. If you're, you know, a, another sign of a really good head coach is guys who, com, you know, consistently turn over coordinators every few years because they're off going to be a head coach somewhere. Right. And I th- could see Dickinson being a guy doing that. So, 100%. Absolutely. You know, Jason Shivers, I think, is another guy that could be on that path, depending on how things go with the defense over the next few years. And I think this year especially a lot of it defensively is going to come down to what happens with the spots left behind by Cameron Judge and Charleston Hughes, where they were they and 1,200 other players signed with the Toronto Argonauts. <laughs> At least for now until they get cut. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, sort of reading between the lines and not so much between the lines in some cases, it sounds like with the two of them, decisions were made to move on, whether it, you know, when Hughes' case moves more so age, and you can understand that. In Judge's case, it's didn't really fit in with the salary structure that Jeremy O'Day, I believe, wanted to go forward with his franchise anymore, especially with a reduced payroll this year. Yeah. So, you know, tough decisions were made, and these were decisions that, you know, we've talked about before that this franchise hasn't always been willing to make, but they made them this time. Um, you know, I I believe in the Hughes move. I think even if he has a great year in Toronto, say la vie, sometimes you got to move on from guys. The judge one is a little tougher to swallow just because of yeah. how good he is at Canadian at linebacker. But nonetheless, that decision was made. All you can do is move forward and see where they go. And I believe the replacements are there. We'll start on the defensive line because it's a splashier spot. And it can have just as much of an impact on the game as the offensive line. What's interesting about the defensive line, though, is, and I think, you know, as we talk about Charleston Hughes gone, to remember that Charleston Hughes is gone, but Mika Johnson is back. Yes, right. Again, and more... so there, the trade-off there is... Okay, you don't have that, you know, sort of explosive guy off the edge rush anymore. Whether he could do it for a full season or not is still in question. But the push off the middle is going to be there because I believe it still was when Mika Johnson was with the team in twenty eight. In twenty, you know, he's previously with the team. It was still right. there. He wasn't getting the sack numbers, but he didn't really get a whole lot of sack numbers in Calgary either until one year where he abnormally had a bunch, and everyone thought right. that was just the thing from him now. But I think with him, McHenry, and you know, other guys, that push up the middle is going to be there. So AC Leonard and you know Freddie Bishop the third, and maybe some unknown Americans that are joining the roster could easily fill the gap. I believe. I believe it'll be more of a de, you know a defensive line pressure the quarterback by committee more so than maybe one or two guys. But I will admit, both in terms of, I would say that the loss of Chad Jeter was worse for the team than Charleston Hughes just because of the defensive line capability that he was expected to bring to the team this year, mm-hmm. as well as what he brought on special teams. But uh, he's another guy that made a choice that he thought was better for himself and his family. He retired to join the U.S. Armed Forces, so we wish him well as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm i with you, Joel. Sometimes it is better to cut a guy a year early than a year late. And I Cal- Charles- Calgary already did that with Charleston Hughes. Well, they, they, already, they already thought the time was coming, so the writers got a couple years out of him. Quit while you're ahead on that. Yeah, no, certainly. He is, 
I still think he has a chance to make an impact in Toronto, but mm -hmm. it's to me, defensive line is always going to be one of those positions that's, I shouldn't say it's easy to fill because it's not easy to fill any position, but no. it's easier to find a young, talented American player to fit on that defensive line. I mean, how many defensive linemen come out of the league every single year that that you're like, oh, I've never heard of this guy before, and he has a pretty solid year, and they just kind of slowly start becoming mainstays, right? It's it's mm -hmm. unless you have a freak like Willie Jefferson there, yeah, it's a fairly replaced. Even look, even Willie Jefferson left the Riders and they were fine. They just did things differently. You're right. It's going to be the same, same but different. They're still going to get to quarterbacks. There's still going to be pressure. Just going to come in a different way. You're absolutely right on that. And I don't, I don't think Hughes's loss is going to be as felt, uh, felt as much there. No, and I, I think especially when we talk about defensive line. I think, I think that edge rusher is more replaceable, especially in today's football world where everyone's doing it. You have it like the, the, the literally the name of the position in the states has changed from defensive end slash outside linebacker to just edge rusher because they come in all kinds of shapes and forms now. So that's basically what you're looking at. So there's different opportunities to go different ways with that. So there's lots of guys who can rush the quarterback now. It's not as easy to replace those guys in the middle. And that's where they have that consistency there. And that's what's going to help them along the defensive line. Absolutely. The biggest question on defense is going to be the linebacker position. Because basically all three starters from last year are gone. LJ McCray is also starting the camp on suspended list. We'll have to find out. Uh, what's going on there on Saturday when camp opens when we're able to discuss things with head coach Craig Dickinson. But so, yeah, we're looking at a completely different linebacking core for the Riders this year. Of course, Cameron Judge being the big loss. But there are there are some names on the roster that can replace him. And will they be as good? I don't know. It's hard to say. Right. But I mean, you there are there are certainly still linebackers on the roster that will be able to fill in. I mean, Larry Dean is there. And so is, you know, Larry Dean is there. And so, you know, that's sort of the guy that they're looking at probably to be the main guy. But Dion Lacey yep. was at it as well. So, yep. you know, there's experience there. There's always going to be young American linebackers coming in as well. We're looking at likely a, you know, ratio change somewhere. Probably, you know, I don't know if there's really going to be a starting Canadian linebacker like there was before. But... This is still something that's going to have to be overcome. I think especially for the running game and different things, this is going to be the question around this team, especially on defense heading into the season. Yeah, and I think the second you saw Judge leave and having the super long offseason and the ability to, you know, come in late and pick up a guy like Larry Dean, I think that's a huge benefit for the Riders. As you mentioned, it's going to change the ratio around. You're not going to have a game-breaking Canadian right there, but they've got Lacey, they've got Larry Dean, They've got pieces there. I I don't think either of them's as good as Judge, and they both carry the incorrect passport to be as good as Judge. As I, in terms of value, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying you, you get what I'm saying on yeah, that yeah, one, yeah. but I I think I do think it's going to be a drop off, but not a hugely significant one. You know, you've got experience, you've got talent there that might become a bit of a soft spot, a bit of a drop-off, but not enough that this team's defense is going to tube. It's still going no. to be, on paper, it is still arguably the best in the league right now. It's still a very good defense. The secondary is back, essentially, which is always key to be able to have, sort of keep that same group together as much as you can. 
and they've clearly done that. So that's obviously very important. The defensive line looks good. And I think ultimately, overall, there had to be a bit of a trade-off. You know, under the Chris Jones era, so much time, money, and effort went into the defense that a little bit had to come back toward the offense. And I think with Judge and some of these other moves, that's kind of what you saw a little bit where they were able to pay Cody Fajardo and they were able to pay Shaq Evans and make sure that the pieces were still there on offense rather than heavily investing in defense like Chris Jones had done. Right. This is a team that can win a shootout. Mm -hmm. I don't think the last time they were on the field, they were a team that could win a shootout. You know, not consistently. No, no. I mean, occasionally. Yes. I mean, you know, the old blind squirrel catching and not once in a while, but I think this team offensively, as you just said, I mean, look at, look at the staff. I mean, with, with Moss and Dickinson, you've got offensive minded guys there and they're making this team into their mold. And this team could be involved in a few shootouts next year. And I'm glad that they have the ability to, to me, they're a football team right now on paper that has the ability to win both styles of games. I do think they'll be more comfortable in an offensive game. Again, this is all on paper. I'm still floored. We're talking about football. There's still a moment that I still keep going. We're actually talking about football, but I, I think offensively this team is going to be a juggernaut and very they're going to be very, very good. Their defense is still going to be good. Yeah, it, it'll just be a balanced approach and a balanced yeah, team, which is kind of the direction they've been going in under Jeremy O'Day. I think you, we saw with Jason Shivers coming in, the defense sort of shifted away from, you know, sort of a big splashy playmaking kind of defense under Chris Jones to a little more, you know, conservative a little more not conservative but sort of like sort of a regular more traditional style defense versus that big playmaking game-changing defense so we're sort of seeing that sort of mold shifting across the entire organization right now which is good because you never want to especially with the randomness of defensive turnovers and scoring opportunities off of those Mm -hmm. it's cool to have a playmaking defense it's really neat but there's a certain amount of randomness associated with that, and it's better to me to be built this way to win either style of football game than they were previously. Yeah, if you want to build that sustain, sustained success that Craig Reynolds has been looking for, that's how you go about it. Yeah, exactly. A team that can beat you on either in any of the aspects of the football. Yeah, you know what? It's just been it's been really fun and refreshing to talk about football, to be completely honest. I know. It's... I've kind of had this dumb smile on my face the whole time. It's been fantastic. <laughs> it's just like, holy shit, we're actually... But but now I definitely have to go read a roster because I don't remember half the players on the team. And now we're done talking about football. Jacques Cartier, the show's over. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.